Mai Devereaux Lawson is not the biggest name in advertising, but she has got a voice, and she's definitely not shy about using it. An associate operations director at the Group M shop Essence by Day, Lawson blogs and podcasts extensively and candidly about diversity and inclusion issues on the side. In an industry where black women are too often unseen and unheard, she's making a point of speaking up. I'm Brian Breaker, editor of Ad Age and, full disclosure, a mediocre straight white male in his 40s. And you are listening to the AdLib podcast. Lawson, who has worked on digital campaigns for clients including American Express, Coca-Cola, L'Oreal, Verizon, and more, is a co-host of the Mixed Company podcast, which launched in 2016 and shares her personal experiences on her blog, mylifeofkai.com. In one such experience, she describes the decision she made last year to quit her last job due to treatment that ranged from exclusion to outright harassment that she says many of her peers endure every day. We'll get into that and more in our conversation. Kai Devro Lawson, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you here. Um, you are, as per our intro, uh, Associate Operations Director at Essence. Uh, you're also in your free time an outspoken voice for diversity and inclusion in the ad space. Yep. Uh, you write about it on your blog, My Life of Kai. Since 2016, you've hosted, co-hosted the, co the uh, podcast, uh, Mixed Company. Yep. Talk about this. Uh, we'll get into your day job, but you definitely have uh, been making a name for yourself uh, with this sort of self-assigned mission. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, trying to. <laughs> um, so I, we'll talk about it. We, we, sure. We'll talk about that mission, How, as you define that mission. So I guess my mission kind of started, it was self-assigned -assi because I was kind of felt like I was going through. When I started uh, in the industry, I guess about eight years ago, um, where I didn't feel like I had guidance. Um, I didn't necessarily know what direction I should take. I was making all the mistakes. I was getting my hand slapped everywhere. Um, and while everyone was telling me what I was doing wrong, no one was telling me, you know, what I was doing right or what I could do to improve. And as time progressed, I started to realize I'm actually not doing anything differently than uh, my peers. Um, so what ended up happening is I started to have a lot of happy hour drinks with a lot of friends and starting to realize that there was a um, there was a theme in a lot of our experiences. Uh, there, especially like not getting mentors, not getting promotions, uh, getting put under review for things that you thought were supposed to be under your job. When and you say all of our experiences, you're talking about my friends uh, specifically yeah. of color, but also speaking mm -hmm. to friends who are not of, of color and recognizing that they had different experiences. It was not as uh, it was not as triggering. Mm -hmm. I guess I would say everybody wasn't going home at night crying mm -hmm. and wondering if they had failed in life three years out of college and hundreds and thousands of dollars down the drain. So, um, so talk. Can you can you get specific at all with some of the those like I was being told what I was doing wrong, mm -hmm. but not being mentored? Can you give an example of a, a atypical expression of that? Yeah, I think one of my first experiences um, when I started out, which ironically, my first experience was the one that taught me the most and one of the better experiences, but. I was starting to have run-ins with, specifically there was, um, 
someone on the team that was much older. He, you know, an older white man. Mm -hmm. Um, So we come from two different generations. We come from different parts of the country. We just were not meshing. And, you know, I'm coming in as a junior project manager trying to do things right. But what I found is that, you know, the more... I tried to do things right, the more he would say I was messing up. Mm-hmm. Not to say anything about his personality, not to say, uh, you know, he's racist, he's sexist, but I will say he never came to me to say, here is what you are doing wrong. Mm-hmm. In fact, what ended up happening was that um, another leader in this creative department, I'm on the PM side, pulled me to the side and had the conversation that this is what the gentleman is looking for. Mm-hmm. And in the conversation, I said, well, why didn't he just tell me that he just was—her comment was he just wasn't comfortable saying it to you. Hmm. You specifically? Me specifically. I mean, I was the only PM in the—junior PM in the department. So I think that was the first time I realized that there was something Mm -hmm. about me that made people uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. potentially, to speak to me, to call things out, et cetera. Um, And— what that did was that hindered my progress over the course of like two months where I could, of course, correct it immediately. Instead, I'm pissing you off every day without knowing without why. Knowing why. Um, so whatever whatever his bias was, whether it was generation, whether it's gender, whether it was race, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I do know that while one person felt comfortable to pull me to the side, he did not. Mm-hmm. Was the person who pulled you to the side... Uh, she, was woman a, of color. she was a woman of color. Yeah. She was um, uh, Latina. Mm-hmm. So, um, and when you talk to your friends, that the, as you mentioned, like they were all having similar experiences, mm-hmm. right? Similar experiences. I mean, there's always a cultural uh, piece to it. So, you know, those of us that I mean, we spoke before this. Those of us that are mm-hmm. first generation American or where our families mm-hmm. are not from here, uh, there is a different nuance to quote unquote our hustle. Mm-hmm. Um, we either are we're never good enough, so we have to work harder, and that is mandated. And uh, you know, we have to have seven hundred side hustles because you never know when you're going to need another revenue stream. And a lot of people don't understand where that like cultural nuance about working hard and being othered and not from the states, like where that comes from and why we speak a certain way. So, for example, uh, one of the things I had to learn when I started in advertising was everyone's not trying to be your professional counterpart. Some people really just want to be your friends. Mm-hmm. And that's not something that uh, we're taught as first, as, as uh, first, second generation Americans. We're taught you wear a suit to work. Mm-hmm. You greet everyone with sir and ma'am. Mm-hmm. You show up 15 minutes before and you leave 30 minutes after you're supposed to, uh, the, the day ends. And that is how you succeed when in reality in this business, it's more relationship driven. Mm-hmm. And some relationships may uh, blossom at a bar. Some relationships may blossom uh, at a concert. Some relationships blossom because you got a dirty mouth and you like to curse a lot. Um, <laughs> and that is definitely not what we were taught growing up. You are, you are allowed to curse here for the record. Um, Thank you. What, um, <laughs> uh, th- this brings to mind the idea of cultural fit and when agencies or any real business really hires for, oh, we're looking for a fit. Is that, does, does that word land on your ears as code for anything? Um, mm-hmm. 
How what how do you what do you respond to when you hear like well we're looking for a fit? So I think it I think it goes two ways, right? I think it is the I think it is the proper term to to it is the proper term to um, express that you want to work with people that make you feel good. You want to mm-hmm. work with people that are going to be friendly and familial to you. And I get and I understand that. It's a human desire. Right. Yeah. Right. Everyone wants to fit in. Everyone wants to be a part of a community. However, um, often time when someone says during a hiring process, um, as I've experienced, if someone says that person wasn't a cultural fit. And you can't put your finger on why. Mm-hmm. You can't explicitly say it's because we like to hang out late at night and that person may not feel comfortable. Uh, or, you know, I'm not quite sure that that person embodies the values of this organization. If you can't express why and it's just the culture fit is the issue, then what I hear and what I know is that you just don't like me. <laughs> like, that's just it. <laughs> Um, so that is definitely code. Uh, what you so you, you've you've said that you're first generation American. Where are your folks from? Yep, my folks are from Central America. My mother is from Costa Rica, and my father is from Panama. Mm-hmm. So you're fluent Spanish. I am not <laughs> perfect in Spanish. I will say that we are definitely going to be able to trek through Central America, but. <laughs> It's going to take us a while. <laughs> okay, well, we'll get there. Um, I was reading your blog before you came in, uh, and this quote, and I think it was one of the most recent, you may have posted something since this, actually. Uh, a quote from something you wrote said, everyone wants an event about diversity, equity, and inclusion, or to have the most inspiring quote in the trades about it, but very rarely do we see enough leaders taking true action to combat the disparities. Mm-hmm. This is a conversation that has been going on forever. Um, what is your prescription to C-suites? Where, how, how do you see agencies moving from talk to action? Who's doing it right? What's the hang-up? Um, well, I'll start. That's like 15 questions. Yeah, no, it is. I'll start with who's doing it right. Yeah. I think uh, most most agencies are doing it right when it comes to women, mm-hmm. when it comes to pushing forward women. Once we take race out of the equation, I think every a lot of people, I mean, I say everyone, a lot of leaders are a lot more comfortable um, with putting, uh, putting a framework in place to how are we going to uh, promote women? How do we make sure our leadership is 50-50 women? I think a whole bunch of people are doing 50-50 in 2020. So next year, we'll, we'll see all the headlines about how many agencies have 50% of women on their boards and C-suite teams. Um, but no one's done the same thing with, with race specifically. Um, there seems to be, there seems to be like a want like a desire to to have the conversation and a desire to say, yes, I see the problem, but no one says we want 50, 50 people of color on our board next year. No one says, um, why is it? No one, let me not say no one. People do ask, why is it that people of color leave the industry all the time? Um, and when we say it is because of your culture that you continuously tell us we don't fit into. When we say uh, in our exit interviews, there are these specific instances which triggered me uh, to leave your organization, rarely does anyone come back to those explicit statements and follow up on them Mm -hmm. to make action. Instead, what happens is you'll do an event, you will um, find that a lot of people will... um, 
buy tickets to or, to uh, conferences and other events so like you can go and it it just seems so it seems like it's not enough. It seems like it's just a Band-Aid when what needs to happen is a full surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, and either no one cares enough to take us to the ER or or <laughs> or no one understands that that's what is needed, a complete overhaul. I, I, I've talked to, I think we've, we've done a story about this. There, a lot of agencies have put into place pipelines for getting people of color into the agency, uh, whether it's through internship programs mm-hmm. or whatever. But once they're in the door, there's nothing for them mm-hmm. to, uh, you know, mentor them or help them excel. Is this something you're 100%. seeing? A yeah. um, I mean, uh, going back to it, everyone will talk about, you know, all of our interns are of color and women, and they're so proud of themselves, and mm-hmm. they talk about it through the entire conference circuit from – September to can, right? Um, but what we don't see, which I've continuously brought up in the last year, was the issue isn't when I get walk in the door. I feel welcomed. I get my water bottle. I get my backpack with the company name on it. I get onboarded most of the time. Um, but what <laughs> happens is when you are in the thick of things, once you get to that mid-level, somebody, somebody expressed it to me as the messy middle, if you're on the creative side, if you're an uh, art director, junior art director, looking to, be- to become a creative director, if you are on the op side, project management side, and you're looking to go from senior to program manager, project director, um, and also on the client service side, like we're, I'm now competing with my boss, mm-hmm. my supervisor for a role. Um, and this person is probably great at what they do, but they don't actually know how to manage a human. You know how to do your job, but you don't know how to help me learn how to do my job as good as you do or better. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of times people respond to management as whoever you're managing as a threat. Mm-hmm. Maybe they haven't expressed it that way, but that's how it feels. So they bring you in or we are brought in. And then no one shows us the culture that you don't need to be that formal when you walk into the office. Uh, You actually need to build relationships. Rarely do people tell you that it is important for you to also understand what's going on in the outside industry. Like people don't know that they need to understand the larger industry and not just their clients. Um, And I think that piece is, is what's missing. Somebody to help us get out of the messy middle and into formulate a new pipeline that takes us from the middle to senior executive leadership. Mm-hmm. I have talked to agency leaders, some pretty big names, and, and someone said, we'd love to be more diverse. We're just struggling with finding the talent. What do you say to that? Um, well, usually I roll my eyes That was first. a very slow eye roll. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I roll my, my eyes first, uh, but I also say to that, yeah. You you clearly find people yeah. because you're bringing them into your pipelines at entry level. You're losing them. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not going to go on the roadshow of every HBCU you can go to, every professional uh, organization you can go to. You know where to find people. There's two things not happening. You're not developing the people that you have internally, and you're not looking at the people with transferable skills. I think um, a lot of 
a lot of friends that uh, a couple of my friends have mentioned before that like I've had bosses that were soccer coaches before they were creative directors, right. you know, and it's it's easy when you can relate to somebody to say, hey, you have something in you uh, that I see that can that your skills can be transferable to the job I need here. But if we don't have any cultural um if we don't stand on a level cultural playing field, it's harder for you to relate that potentially some skills I have, whether it's making party flyers in D.C. to go to the club, mm. could also mean that I could be either a designer or an art director. Or if I've produced concerts for a record label in the past, that maybe I could be an operations director, which that's actually what my trajectory was, mm-hmm. go- going from music into advertising on the PM side. Um it takes a little more thought and a little bit more creativity to pull in uh, the people of color that you say you can't find. Mm-hmm. So with all of this in mind and everything that you've been saying a- about the pipeline and once you're in the door and the, the, the sort of toxic idea that we need to hire for fit, is the agency model broken on some level or is the way agencies have traditionally been constructed uh, malfunctioning? Uh, I don't think it's broken. I think it's working for what it was built to do. I think it's out of date for what culture uh, looks like and feels like today. I think that it was, you know, everyone likes to talk about the boys club, boys club, boys club, but it was built for that. Mm-hmm. And it it works. That's why there are so many men that are that have great legacies and a whole bunch of money and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that's why there's not a whole bunch of women. Um, it's why there's not a lot of people of color Um, I think if we want to create this more equitable industry, then we have to create a new model. I don't necessarily think that the right answer is to dismantle the old model. Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot we can take from it. I think think there's a lot we can take from it, and I'll leave it like that. But culturally, what people want out of their job is more than a paycheck, where at the time I think the industry was built just based on Money, which we name the uh, the business perspective. Right. Um, so, talk about what you what you do do. What you're in your day job. You are the associate operations director at Essence. Mm-hmm. Let me do that. <laughs> <laughs> Essence. <laughs> um, yeah. No. Uh, I, wait, wait, it's part of Group M. What uh, What does that entail? Uh, yeah, I look at the health of the team and. Um, my account from a business perspective. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what I can say. You know, it it works. Um, operations in general, we are making sure that we're making money. We're making sure that the people are fit to make us money. And um, we are supposed to flag any issues with anything that could uh, potentially make us not make money. <laughs> so if our people are unhappy from a resource perspective, that could have long-term effects on the business. Mm-hmm. If um, we are not, if we are not organized, that could have long-term effects on the business. Um, and also, we come in as consultants. You know, what is our recommendation on how to better and or how to more efficiently run this campaign, this client, this account, etc. Uh-huh. Talk about. Um how you got into this industry? You met. You mentioned uh, a background in music. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're you're young. You've been in the business for eight years. I can't imagine 
there's a whole lot of career before that. Yeah. What, well, how did this happen? I mean, I was on the, so back in the my college days, I was a college rep mm -hmm. um, for a couple of different labels um, because that is what I wanted to do. I wanted to be Puff Daddy, and that was what the focus was, and I was going to run a label eventually, and I was then going to have my own label. Um, but that's not how things worked out. Well, you still can. I mean, Steve, I mean, I got Steve, time. Steve Stout's got. Uh, he's I know got he, his he did the best when I first started. <laughs> the first book I read once I got into advertising was the um, the Tanning of America, uh -huh. um, and I was like, "There's hope. I could go back." Um, <laughs> We'll see. I don't know. I don't think they have enough money for me right now. <laughs> but I think that was a challenge. It's, it is if, a challenge. If Steve's I'll, listening. I'll take the challenge. <laughs> I like a check. Um, but I think what I found was by putting together all of, you know, I did tons of concerts. I mean, I went to Howard University, so I worked mm -hmm. on their uh, homecoming committee and put together the concerts um, and working with different labels. I learned how to be organized and be quick on my feet um, and also regardless of how much money you have or how much how big a team you have you have to get things done yeah. and that's the same um perspective that I put on the job I do today so somebody in my first job when the recruiter called they were like you got great skills that'd be great for a project manager and I was like a manager <laughs> of course <laughs> that is exactly what I should be doing <laughs> um and the where, rest is history where was that was that Wonderman that was yeah. at Wonderman um also a, a WPP shop. Mm -hmm. uh, you, what, what was the artist you were most proud of of nailing down for? Mm, uh, yeah, J Cole. Yeah, J Cole is always like that. Was my most proud moment. Mm -hmm. Um, because I remember when his first mixtape dropped, and everybody was like, "Who is this that? Is Nobody cares. Huge. Yeah, no one cares about a J Cole." And I'm like, "But this warm up, it is everything." And just trying to like sing his praises, and then a year later, somebody's literally somebody's daddy came up with the money to front paying for him to come to the campus and set up a concert for him in like four days. Mm -hmm. And I was like, "We just did a freaking concert for J Cole." <laughs> I can die now, <laughs> um, and that was before people even really knew him like that. Yeah, that was, and he's just—he was just a really cool dude. I remember just being really chill and like, like easy it. to work with, like and not, not like everybody else. He was just very easy to work with and not a crazy tech writer. Yeah, I—I <laughs> um, I lived in D.C. for a few years. I actually really loved—it's good, really times. great town, good, good time, times. good town. Uh, I was there under a different administration, though. Um, uh, we we both were. <laughs> Uh, you recently had a, a stretch of unemployment. You mm -hmm. quit your job. That's such a nice way to say it. Well, I could say fun employment, but it doesn't sound like that's what it was. You took I a, thought it would well, be. <laughs> <laughs> I expected it to be. You took a break from the industry. I did. Deliberately. Talk about that. What was behind that? Um, You've only been at Essence since March. Right. Right, right, right. So I, yeah, last October, I decided... Um, that it would be best for my mental health mm -hmm. and best for my career if I it would be best if I took if I took a step back mm -hmm. um, because you know I was just experiencing a lot of last year was hard so I was experiencing a lot of BS that I did not expect to experience. Mm -hmm. Um, and a lot of those situations ended up turning personal. Right. So 
on top of being stressed about um, trying to make it in this business, um, I now have to, I found that I had to kind of watch what I said and watch my moves. And um, I experienced like deliberate sexual harassment, which is different than when it's like nuanced. So like, depending on who you are and what your experience is, you might laugh it off. But it was like, no. Oh, you really just said that in front of a whole bunch of people because you wanted me to either be embarrassed or like really get down like that. This was at work. This was at this was at one of the places I worked You're, last can you, year. Can you say where? I won't. Can you say what was said? Yeah, um, it was with the creative director, and we were working on a project, and my editor and my art director were also in the room like this and he <laughs> looks over at me and he was like we should go take a meeting in the uh in the recording booth which is like th- the size of like half a corner mm-hmm. of this room we're in a small room in a really small room mm-hmm. and i just looked at him and i was like excuse me and he repeated it and i was like you know <laughs> if this was anybody else you'd have a whole lawsuit on your hands right now was this in the middle of me too or before this is like yeah this is this is at the top of the year yeah um so that pissed me off the implication being go in there and be yeah (laughs) there's nothing else we can do it's a one person booth (laughs) like there's literally nothing else we can do but be intimate um so the answer was no um and it was embarrassing and it was annoying um but you know you eat stuff like that and you keep it pushing and then um Another instance I had was, you know, I'm working with a team and we're working on presenting new or putting together some new ideas for um, a client. And it got really culturally insensitive, both from a race and an ethnicity standpoint, like Mm -hmm. to the point where I had to raise my hand or you know give the church finger like hey guys i don't know if you noticed but these are really sensitive topics that i think a lot of people might find offensive Mm -hmm. um and by raising those flags quite honestly directly to the um the leaders of the agency at the time um i was kind of blacklisted i stopped Mm -hmm. getting invited to meetings i stopped started getting left off of invites i started getting picked on for things that, like, I've always been doing this. I thought this was part of my job. Um, and knowing knowing what I discuss on the podcast and what I write about, knowing that that's what I was going through, it kind of triggered a piece of me to feel like I was being, um, I was being hypocritical by allowing myself to continue to mm-hmm. stay in that situation. But, you know, when you live in New York and, you know, you make a certain amount of money and you're still broke— mm-hmm. It, it forces, it kind of, it just made me uncomfortable. It made me emotionally uncomfortable because I didn't know what the right thing to do was. Do I starve, in quotes, like I wasn't really going to starve, but do I starve mm-hmm. or do I just continue to put up with this because it's a check? Um, and you put your money where your mouth was. I put, yes. I put I put I put a little little bit of change I had to 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 my mouth so that I could kind of just stand in my truth. Talk about that podcast. Um what um mixed company? Mhm. Mixed company podcast. How's that? What's what's the 
was the genesis of it and what's what has it become it's about three years in yeah we're about three years in and um much like my so my personal purpose and the podcast align where a host of friends and I um Simeon and Karina shout out to them um, and some others, we kind of just came uh, to a, a all point. All in the industry or just Well, we were, at the time, everybody was working at an agency. Yeah. So we are literally just a whole bunch of agency, not-so-kids, um, just trying to figure out why it's so hard for some of us to get ahead and not others. Mm. Um, and Karina said she wanted a podcast, and we sat down and we met one day, and we were like, what are we going to talk about? It was like the same thing we talk about at happy hour, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> How do we take over the world? Um, and how is what we experienced in BS? Um, and we were originally going to name it You People. <laughs> and somebody was like, I think that's not going to go over well. So we landed on Mixed Company. Um, and the goal is to really just have raw and honest conversations that become productive because we want to give solution and not just bitch all the time. Yeah. Um, and in that, we found that we started to get access to people who had a hand in making policy, who were heavy hitting influencers, who owned agencies, who were uh, CEOs of agencies. And what more of a powerful position can you play mm. than to have the ear of somebody who can impact change? Do you worry about being pigeonholed or sort of typecast as a person who's talking about diversity and, and as opposed to, well, mm-hmm. I just want to do the work? Um, it's why I keep a day job yeah. so that I can't get... So so I have I have a provocative view on DNI. Uh-huh. I don't think that it would be right for me, nor do I think it is um, right for everyone. Like, I think, yes, there are people that DNI is what they should do because they are rooted in the, in the, the work of numbers and analytics and data and mm-hmm. uh, testing and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. When it becomes a discipline, I think it's great. I uh, think that my, I think that my role is to root my beliefs about diversity, equity, and inclusion mm-hmm. in the work I do. On the operations side, if you're a producer, if you're an uh, operations person or a project manager, like we literally work with every discipline within an agency and we touch the people every day. So for me, it makes more sense for me to stay on that end um, and influence the work that way instead of just talking about it all day, which mm-hmm. I think a, a lot of people would just prefer to write think pieces all day. <laughs> uh, the re- and the reason I ask is because the, you've seen a couple in the past year of, of, of minority-led agencies that identified as multicultural agencies from the outset now saying, well, no, we're general market. They are. Um, right. They well, are, yeah. Yeah. They, they've always been general market agencies, I think, um, it's funny, right? Even if you look at entertainment, anytime, anytime uh, it's uh, people of color or like black people or Latin people mm-hmm. or even Asian people are are in the majority of an enterprise, you call it by their race or ethnicity first. Mm-hmm. So like people were, uh, I don't know if anybody remembers The Best Man when that was, that movie, when that came out, they were like, oh, it's a black film. Yeah, and yeah. it's like, is it a black film? Because... This just looks like any butthead that doesn't want to get married and his friends trying to get him off to get... Like, this could be anybody's story. And yes, the nuances in the culture, but the storyline itself 
is a general market mm-hmm. storyline. The same thing with agencies. If you look at uh, if you look at Burrell or or Carol H. Williams, like they were just able to add additional nuance to the general market strategy. So yes, we can we can do business with McDonald's because we understand what makes people want to get fast food. But if you want to also garner the money from a market that people were not paying attention to at the time, at the time, this is what would uh, ante up people of color or black people to give more money to to this initiative. Um, and also, like, just, and I can speak for me, just being black and, and coming from a Latin background, no one knows how to code switch better than we do. Like, we live in two worlds all day, every day. Like, we are home and we learn a certain set of values and then we are sent to general market schools that teach us general market history and then we have to figure out how to coexist between the two seamlessly. Um, So I I get it why everyone's now standing in their truth that they are general market agencies Mm -hmm. and not multicultural agencies. The people are multicultural, not the strategy. Who is getting it right out there? In what sense? (laughs) In the sense of the the makeup of their own agency and or the work that they're putting out uh, in terms of representation. So my gut is always like no one's getting it right. And that's why we keep having this conversation. I think, um, like I said earlier, I think that there we have seen an increase in numbers of uh, women leaders, mm-hmm. um, especially that are on the CMO track. Um, I know um, I know that there is a larger push for inclusion um, for you know how people identify as LGBTQ plus um, and and that is great. I think I think agencies that have a whole bunch of, a lot more women leaders today than they did last year. Um, great. I do not see anyone doing it right for mm. race. Okay. Any advice for black women, young black women entering the, the industry today? Um, yes. Yeah. I think my advice, I say this to everyone, um, it is really easy to feel intimidated because you feel like, your voice doesn't matter and all these people are smart and they've been doing this work longer. And so therefore, those are the people that should speak up and you are not. Um, and my advice is that no one knows more than what you know quantitatively. Uh, they just know different things and that we are hired, uh, whether you are of color or not, man or woman, that we are hired to add value to an agency. And there's something within you um, that is going to help a team, uh, a, a, an account, or an agency excel, and that if you keep that to yourself, no one's going to know what that special sauce is. Um, so be okay with being wrong. Don't be okay with being silent. Hmm. Anything else you want to say? I want to give a shout-out to my mom, my dad. I mean, I don't know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, we can, we can do the whole shout-out thing. Um, do the shout-out. No, I mean, listen to, if, if, you, if you're into podcasts. Put a plug in. 
yeah, you know, listen to Mixed Company podcast where uh, Karina said we are everywhere. You also stalk your exes. Um, so that is <laughs> Facebook, Instagram, uh, and uh, Twitter, as well as uh, on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, uh, and Stitcher. Um, and also I'll plug mylifeakai.com where you can read all the things in my head. What uh, podcast episode should they start with? First, first listen. Um, okay. There are three. Um, if you want to understand who we are as a, like, as a team, I'd listen to episode six, Like Water for Chocolates. Um, that was the episode we released shortly after what we called, like, the, um, Hell Week in July 2016, I think it was, um, when, uh, multiple young, multiple black men were murdered, um, at the hands of law enforcement. Um, and then also, uh, if you want to hear us speaking truth to power in a productive way, which we do, um, I would listen to, I don't remember the number, but our episode we did last year with Colleen DeCourcy, uh, where we discussed Time's Up advertising. You've um, been critical of Time's Up. I have. Yeah. What, yeah. What's the criticism? Um. So like I said on the podcast, my my criticism was that it didn't feel inclusive mm-hmm. during the, the initial town hall that they had last May. Um, and that is me coming off of my experience with that creative director, right? Mm-hmm. So I was in a raw space when I heard that, um, where if you are going to, once again, if you are going to help people, you got to listen to the people that left or the people that are hurting the most. And I know at the time, freelancers uh let me not say they weren't welcome, but they were not prioritized mm-hmm. to come to the event. So that, to me, was a huge miss. And then um, I we discussed with her the the questioning at the end where um, there was supposed to be a Democratic-style uh, Q&A using, um, like, the online, you submit your question to this app and it shows up on the board. Um, but if most of the women in the audience are white and everyone's voting on it, then the questions that pertain to being of color and primarily black are not going to be voted on and therefore they won't be seen. Um, so we discussed that in the episode. Um, and then if you want to hear us talking about things that are really, really happening recently, uh, we just did an episode on what's going on over at uh, Ogilvy. That was the most recent episode we released. What do you, what any, any? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't care. I said it. <laughs> I said it. Yeah. Um, I um, with the the immigration specifically. Yeah, specifically, yeah. it was like the the response mm-hmm. of the CEO of Ogilvy and and how he handled the town hall. And uh, we did not agree necessarily on the show mm-hmm. with each other and our like mm-hmm. each other's views. So there was a great debate there where my perspective is no, I don't necessarily think it is smart uh, to to fire your client all the time, especially if it will have financial implications. But we need our leaders to come to the table with answers and suggestions and make it seem like you tried um, and not just, hey, if you don't like it, you can quit. I need something better than that because you're the person getting paid something times my salary to make better decisions. And we need you to do that. Great. Well, everyone go listen to that episode after you're Listening to this yeah, episode. after this one. <laughs> Thanks, Kai. It was great talking to you. Thanks, guys. You Thanks for having me. Thanks.
I want to thank Kai again for joining me today. She is the Associate Operations Director at the Group M Shop Essence by Day and podcast extraordinaire by night. You can listen to her podcast, Mix Company, or read her blog, My Life of Kai, for more. You have been listening to my podcast. I'm Brian Breaker, editor of Ad Age. This is Ad Lib, produced by Max Sternlicht. You can read us at adage.com. Subscribe to us at iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, you know the drill. Just tell a friend, tell one person. If you enjoy this podcast, tell one person today. Give us a star. Give us more than one star. <laughs> and come back next week. <laughs>